0: On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, there is no tempering expectations for this Thunder team after what you saw against the Milwaukee Bucks on Tuesday night. Plus, every member of the Core Four makes a pretty significant leap in what to expect from this season all coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO pod. Email the show, pod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into the Thunder dominating the Bucks in a very fun preseason game at Paycom Center. And the starters got to stretch their legs a little bit. And that was not a good thing for tempering expectations. This Thunder team looked incredible again with their core four players. And we're going to talk about some of the keys to the offense and, and what to expect from this squad this year. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here talking to you about Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free anywhere, future podcasts from, including on YouTube. Uh, we did a show yesterday on the Jeremiah Robinson Earl trade. You can go back and listen to uh game overview for this game. So the starters are back. Isaiah Joe was back. The guys that rested were back. But we did get uh, a significant injury update. Jalen Williams, Jay Will, has a hamstring injury. Uh, we're going to dive into that tomorrow. He's out for uh, a couple of weeks before he gets reevaluated. He's going to miss the start of the regular season. We're going to dive into that tomorrow. Frankly, for a couple of reasons. Uh, we're going to lead off the show with that tomorrow. And also, this is one of the more fun games and kind of vibes around the Thunder team since taking over Locked On Thunder. And let's just enjoy it for tonight. And then we'll talk about Jaywell will being out and who can try to fill in for him uh, on tomorrow's show. Cason uh, Wallace is out with that toe sprain that he left the game against Charlotte uh, with on Sunday. Did get a little bit of a clearer timeline from from Mark about this. It is a day-to-day scenario. So while that's not an exact return date, it is kind of narrowing the range of, hey, this is day-to-day. But at the end of the day, aren't we all day-to-day in this thing called life? Kendricks Williams is out with a murkier timetable. The back spasms are still um, pretty hot right now. So it's hard to nail down how long this is going to be for uh, Kenny Hustle which is obviously a, a huge deal, which ties into that Jay will conversation that we're going to have on tomorrow's show. Uh, Poku out as well with that pre-training camp injury of his ankle. But everyone else got minutes. Everyone else in the roster got minutes, including the Thunder starters, SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, J-Dub, Chet. The Bucks uh, had Dame. They had Giannis. No Chris Middleton, no Brooke Lopez, but they had Dame and Giannis plus Robin Lopez, Malik Beasley, and Pat Connaughton in their starting five. There are a few things that stood out in a onion-like layers to it. Like there was team-wide things that stood out. There were individual things that stood out in this game. The first team-wide thing for the Thunder in this game was that they might be the best transition offense in the NBA. Like with the way this Thunder team plays, they can be the best transition team in the NBA offensively. So they forced 15 Milwaukee turnovers. They won the fast break column 22 to 9. The Thunder won points in the paint 56 26. They won the rebounding battle 46 to 40. 43 of those rebounds came on the defensive end of the floor. And so when you're hauling in 43 defensive rebounds, when you're forcing 15 turnovers, when you're in the passing lanes getting deflections, getting turnovers, taking charges, when you're doing those things it all adds up to then the other team gets sloppier and sloppier. They try to press more, they try to they try to just kind of get it all back in one fell swoop, so to say, to where as you wear them down and frustrate them, it leads to even more turnovers, which is the big thing here on how to play Uh, that. And defensive rebounding is how you play in pace and, and play in transition. The thing with rebounding, though, it's not just ending the possession. That's the biggest thing, right? Defensive rebounding, you get the defensive rebound. You've ended their chance to score for that moment in time. And now you flip the script to your end of the floor. It's the fact that in any lineup, At any moment, you have five players who you trust at the very, very, very low end, like Olivier Saar, for example, uh, in the sense of playmaking. You trust Olivier Saar to get a rebound and quickly make a decision and quickly advance the ball up the floor. You might not trust him to go coast to coast. But he's like the only guy who you don't trust to go coast to coast, but you do trust him to make a sound decision. And from there, you evolve into you trust everyone else that if they get the loose ball, if they get the rebound, if they get the steal, they don't have to be looking and searching for who to give the ball to or or panicking or waiting on somebody or or, or waiting to, to set things up. You have selfless top end players and you have quality playmakers from top to bottom. There's no player on this roster who is not a quality playmaker. And so that allows you to just make these quick decisions to 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 continue to push the pace. And when you're not just hunting one player or hunting one guy to get you into your action, and you have a multitude of players who are selfless, who can play make, and then those players off of that said playmaker, even Shea, who's like one of the best ISO scores in the NBA, even Shea has a has a really really good off ball offensive role that he can that he can fall into in these moments and run the floor very well and fill the lanes very well. So with all of that being said, this Thunder team can have an incredible transition offense. And I also think that this Thunder offense can take a massive leap as well, team-wide, because you have such incredible ball movement, which ties back in with the, the passers, right? Like the playmakers who can create – you have a few playmakers who can just create passes. Like Josh Giddy, he can just create a pass. He can lead you like a quarterback with the way he passes the basketball. Mitchich, I think, is going to get there where he can just feel where guys like the basketball, where guys want to be on the floor to score, and he's going to be able to lead them to their spots. And then you have connectors, and then you have guys who are really above average playmakers. You have so many good passers that your offense is going to take a massive step because they can take advantage of the improved weapons that can score on this team. So there's obviously scoring roles and scoring uh, limits and scoring just like areas. For Shea, like he's your best ISO score. He's one of the best ISO scores in the NBA. And you don't have a plethora of ISO scores uh realistically for the Thunder. Now, what you do have a plethora of is elite level cutters. And and Gilmore thinks that you have a ton of ISO scores. She vehemently disagrees with that. There's only one top ISO score. She's a big J Dub fan. But you have a top ISO score in the NBA in SGA. You have elite cutters goes back to the whole, who do you trust with the ball? Who do you trust to make a cut on this team? Everyone. You trust everyone to find the soft spot of the defense. And we went back to the playmakers. You trust them to find those cutters. And then now you have more spray out options than ever. If Dallas Pertons makes this team, you could put four really good shooters on the floor. Like, you could even put five if you wanted to, if you wanted to just like get crazy, but like you could at least put four in there and you saw it today. I call it the 11 second sub, you know, but it can happen at the, whatever the last dead ball is. So for today it was nine seconds. There was a nine second dead ball and Mark puts in Joe and, and waters. And so you, now you have this lineup where you have a ton of shooters. It didn't end up working out. There's a turnover. Uh, it was the Giannis play where Giannis dunked it instead of laying it up and it caused the, the shot to get wiped off. But you have so many spray out options. You can just brace the floor and shoot. Um, you have so many cutters. You have some guys who I think that Shea, of course, is your top ISO score and like the ISO score. But you saw Josh Giddy get downhill really well today and score at rim at, at the rim at will with smaller matchups and bump these guys off their spots. You think JDB can do the same thing? I do. Like you have these guys who who can score both on the ball, off the ball, and within a team construct and also create a little bit for themselves. You still need to take an improvement in that. You shouldn't take an improvement overall uh, as... Um, You know, a shooting team, even with the improvements that you've already made. But the thing here is, when you add into the fact that they're going to turn a lot of defense into offense, you add into the fact that that SGA covers up a lot as a a tough shot maker and as a score, and then you add into the fact that you're just going to get spoon-fed easy buckets, especially in the 82-game regular season, then by all those things getting added up, you're going to see this Thunder team rank highly, or at least higher than last year, offensively in general. So it has to be really exciting for the Thunder fans uh, that you see this team doing this. And and another exciting aspect of this is we're going to go through the list here in the next segment, the core members like SGA, J-Dub, Josh Giddey, Chet Holmgren, you're watching in real time as they evolve and as they progress and as they play together and learn how to play together and and learn how to – carve out their NBA futures as really high-end players, you're seeing them make these progressions year over year, day over day, week over week, month over month, minute over minute, you're seeing it. You're seeing the course corrections in real time, and so that, that just gives you another added level of uh, kind of continuity or, or just excitement or uh, relatability to rally around this young team. And, you know, the more that I look at this season, I, I understand that they're young, But as I said on last week's show, like if young is the only thing that's stopping you from predicting this team to be really good, then you're going to miss the boat on every single team in the NBA ever. Because at one point in time, none of these teams had done it yet. None of these cores had done it yet. They just somehow did it that specific season and then never stopped doing it. So if young is the only thing holding you back, I think that's a pretty silly reason. And right now, like when we talk about the wide variance of the Thunder, like, oh, tough Western Conference, I, I think when healthy, the Thunder... For an 82-game season, and do not misinterpret this, I'm not saying that the Thunder are going to go win the Western Conference or even win a playoff series, which would the first time that they've done that since Kevin Durant was in town. So I'm not even saying any of that. I'm just saying for the 82 games that are going to be played from next Wednesday until the end of April, for, that, for those 82 games, the Thunder are going to be one of the best teams in the West in terms of, I think that if you are a top six seed in the West, you're one of the best teams in the West. That's, that's how the, the thin margin of error is. In the Western Conference. So uh, I, I believe this team will be a top six seed in the West. And this preseason is not cooling off any of that momentum for the Thunder or those expectations for the Thunder. We'll talk about how the Thunder players handle said expectation coming up. But first, I want to say right now about our good friends over at Bird Dogs, folks. So I've been calling Bird Dogs, the Thunder of shorts. And the reason why I'm doing that is because Bird Dogs are so versatile. So these are great khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh, but give you, and give you that leg, that, that truly sculpted look, but also they have that breathability factor as well. And that, and that flexibility factor, which is huge. So these board, bird dog shorts, they look good. They look fitted, but you can still move around in them. And that's why they're great. Like if, if you're heading into a business meeting, right, you will look professional. You'll look well put together. You'll look, you'll look like you belong there. But you can walk right out of that meeting and go play pickleball and you'll have all the breathability and flexibility that you need to go get the job done on the pickleball court. It's a court, right? So Bird Dogs can let you go hang out with recreational activities, go on a date, go to a business meeting, go to dinner with friends, go to a Thunder game. You can wear these in a multitude of ways and look really good doing it. So make sure you check them out today by going to birddogs.com slash NBA. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. And so I I think that part of the expectations for the Thunder team, um, there's always a wide variance of like what they could be. And people were scared at first to go on this limb, but then now you're seeing like Woj and Bill Simmons and, and some of these national people start to buy into the Thunder. And that has in turn scared off some local people on the Thunder. At the end of the day, these predictions do not matter. The, the They're not going to break the Thunder. The, the Thunder locker room is not going to be changed by, if I believe that they're the sixth best team in the West or the 10th best team in the West, uh, they're not going to feel extra added pressure to go win games. The Thunder are going to try to win games no matter what we predict them to do. Just like last year, whenever people predicted them to finish with a sub-25-win season, they didn't just go, okay, well, let's pack it in. I guess we don't got to try this year. They went out and played and played really well. So, like, the prediction stuff doesn't matter. Do not let that sway you. And I, I think that the only part that does matter is, you know, this is the first time where internally, right, you might, you know, you might start to put the pressure. Not that the organization is putting it on. I genuinely genuinely believe that this year the organization of course, you want to win every time that the ball's tipped, but the most important factor for Mark and Sam, I think, is still figuring out what this team is, figuring out who these young players are, figuring out how to play together. And if they if they only win 41 games and it's only a one game improvement, it's that's not that's not the issue, right? The issue will not be in their record. The issue, both either in a positive issue or a negative issue, the 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 evaluation of this team by the Thunder decision-makers, Mark and Sam and everyone else, will not be what their record is. It'll be what their production is and how it looks. However, as players, of course, these guys get here by being ultra-competitive. And, of course, these guys want to play on the biggest stages. And, of course, these guys want to improve every single year. And so the players themselves are going to be like, hey – 140 games last year, want to get back to the post And you're going to start to put that pressure on yourself that the atmospheres are going to be different when you go on the road, but also when you're playing here at Paycom center, like it's going to be totally different with fans living and dying with every single possession and, and and selling more tickets and, and, and having more fans there at your games. And, and these guys clearly check social media. Uh, if you're on, if you're on Twitter and Instagram, like seeing fans on social media, uh, both positively and negatively, like that kind of stuff, I think is more so, uh, the expectations that the team has to deal with a little bit, uh, but it's not going to slow down. It's just not. There's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube on this one, especially with how well they're playing right now. And what's been fun is to see this young team continue to grow together like Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy has used his strength perfectly in this game. Uh he he did not rely on too many floaters. He did not rely on just trying to go over the top of people. He was able to bump guys off their spot, but maintain control and finish at the rim, which I loved to see from him. Uh, He also flashed what I talked about in FIBA with him of, he's going to get to a point where he's scoring at the rim in a lot better clip. Guys are going to start to rotate over and try to stop him from scoring at the rim. And when they do, his kick out is going to be incredible. He's going to find the right guy every single time. And you're going to hope that he can find, you know, and there's going to be guys there who can cash in. So, for example, in this game, he had a play where he kind of split the defense uh, at the elbow. I think he could have had a, had a relatively easy layup, but he instead kicked out to the corner. Who would he find? Chet Holmgren. What would he do? Splash a three. Three points are better than two. And so you then start to see the deterioration of the defense by what all you can do to them and what all they have to pay attention to. So Josh Giddy plays uh, plays 24 minutes, scores 19 points, seven rebounds, five assists, two turnovers. Uh, I, I still want to see the refs give him a few calls, and he'll have to force the issue on that this season. But overall, really good physicality, really good uh, rim pressure offensively. Uh, and, I, and I thought that defensively, you saw how he can improve um, just by construct of, of the players around him. Uh, Josh Giddy, of course, is never going to be, I don't think, athletic enough to to be a point-of-attack defender on high-level NBA scores, but he is a savvy enough player who understands basketball and understands what other matchups are trying to do to him and what offenses are trying to do to the Thunder, where he can be in the right position to make plays, and it's going to get easier for him to be in those kind of hidden roles defensively where he's just taking up space in a proper way whenever you add these defenders around him like Chet uh, of course, you have Dub progressing defensively. You have Lou Dort, who's one of the best defenders in the league. And you have SGA, who is a really, really good defender. Like He, he is an a excellent defender for what he is usage-wise, offensively especially. So you're seeing it now come together. This is the first time, well, the second game where the core fours played together and the first time they've gotten a really extended run. This is, you're seeing it come together where, by association, he gets better individually defensively because of what he's being asked to do, uh, I think, was noticeable in this game. Uh, speaking of Chet Holmgren, though, there's a there's a, so many different ways to talk about Chet Holmgren's game. The first one being is one of the first plays of the game where he uses a pump fake at the three point line, gets uh, Robin Lopez in the air, goes right past him and shoots a mid range wide open shot, splash. That is how Chet Holmgren turns the perceived disadvantages of like oh guys can just back them down and like score over the top of them. Yeah, okay, first of all, it's not a true disadvantage. That's why I say perceived. If you want to play that way in the year of our Lord 2023, go ahead. There's like two guys in the league that you feel comfortable playing through in that way for 48 minutes and, and is designed to play that way for 48 minutes. If you want to play through Jonas Valanciunas, thank you. Thank you for playing through Jonas Valanciunas and not Zion and not Brandon Ingram and not all these other guys. If you want to play through Steven Adams, thank you. That means that Desmond Baines is not shooting threes. That means that John Morant is not being the explosive high-end score that he is. That means that Jaron Jackson Jr. is not carving up the, the, the defense. Like, thank you for dumping it down to Steven Adams. I really appreciate that. So, like, that's why it's a perceived disadvantage. But even if you totally buy into that being a massive disadvantage, this is how it reverses the other way. Because you either have to over-pursue him at the three-point line, and even if your teammates rotate and pick him up and he does not get a wide open mid-range shot. He's such a high end playmaker that he can then find who your teammate just left and get them an open look, uh, especially with that starting five. So it is a, it is a wash at worst. And at best, I think that Chet gets the better end of the deal because his advantage, you will use nearly every possession. The opposite. You're not going to dump the ball into Robin Lopez. No offense to Robin Lopez. Go F on at Disney world. You're not dumping the ball into Robin Lopez. I'm here to tell you that right now. So, I, I think that this is where you're going to see that the the concerns of Chet have been vastly overblown. Speaking of defensively, he walled up Robin Lopez and forced him to travel. He handled a a, a Giannis bump drive in at the rim and didn't explode. Con, contrary to popular belief, he didn't explode. In fact, Giannis missed the shot. Right? He handled a scary looking fall with Dame and was fine. Like this is not a guy made of glass. He had an injury. It happens, and now and now he's back. And so. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of this native stuff. I, I'm, I'm more interested to see when it ends, right? Like, like when's the joke played out? Cause the joke is really only made by a few people. And you know, the types like that, that have the random players or Twitter profile picture and like some random name, like they, they, they hook onto these jokes about like, Oh, one elbow and Chet's just going to evacuate into space. And then they find a new little funny like area of the NBA sphere. I wonder how many times, uh, Throughout this season, that it's going it's to take for Chet to no longer uh, have to deal with that, those kind of like jokes, uh, or, or if it just sticks around forever because he's kind of a funny looking basketball player uh, for all things uh, considered. Now, with Chet Holmgren, another big area for him was his rim protection. And it's not just in block shots. In fact, he makes life incredibly hard on you whenever he's not blocking shots, he's still disrupting shots at the rim. That's been such a different component than the Thunder have had. Uh, yeah, Chet's not, you know, 245 of, of chiseled, muscled like Adonis, but he is a vastly better rim protector than they've, than they've ever had in this kind of phase of their team. And he can still get the job done at a very high clip and, and be one of the best defensive players of the five position in the league. That's how good he is, despite his awkward looking frame for most people. So I, I think that that really stood out at the rim. He blocked a Dame fadeaway mid-range shot, which, first of all, just rarely ever happens. But also, to show you how lengthy he is and how savvy he is with, as a defender, he blocked the mid-range jump shot and didn't even come close to fouling him. There's not even an argument that he fouled him, right? And Because like typically, like whenever you block the jump shot, there's at least like a like a little bit of a, of a want to say, Oh, I got fouled. I got hit in the arm. I got, I got, I got, didn't give me enough space to land. Like there's at least like the want to make an excuse. There was no excuse. And Dane didn't try to argue or anything. Hey, okay. Yeah. He blocked me because he's standing at the block and I'm standing uh, in between the, the, the restricted area and the three point line over here on the baseline. And he just blocked me somehow. because He's so long and, and so good at, at blocking shots and timing shots. So uh, that, that kind of highlights his ability to, um, not hunt for blocks, just understand how to get blocks. And there's a difference in guys who have high block numbers because they're just searching for blocks and you let up 10 easy baskets because of it. And guys who just understand how to block shots at all three levels. And just as, as basketball defenders, the most the most uh, encouraging part of his offensive game was that he nailed multiple corner threes and they were mainly by relocating to the corner and then guys hitting him as defenses failed to adjust and fail to, um, get back to him or, or lose him a little bit as he's running around the court. The corner threes are going to be a huge weapon for him, but a huge weapon for the thunder. Like if you're having to worry about Chet's corner threes and, and really make sure that you have a guy on him at all times, that's one less body in the paint against SGA driving 50 million times a game. You know who else likes to drive? Josh Kitty. Who else likes to drive? J-Dub. Like these guys love the drive and Josh Kitty could not stop raving about that um, in the post game presser about how, it's so beneficial for the Thunder to have someone who can clear out that lane for them as guys who, who are predicated on cutting and driving. So the corner threes were great. Uh, his playmaking connecting stuff was great. Uh, he was using the dunker spot some. I, I, you know, it was a, like a dump-off pass that it was. I think he can do more of. Uh, he's a lob threat. He, he had a nice reverse layup even. He makes life easier for the Thunder. And here's where I'm at with Chet Holmgren. The NBA is all about adjustments. You hear it all the time. So if you're studying this Thunder team, how are you going to prepare to stop them? Because again, if you sell out to say no threes from Chet, you're leaving yourself exposed to a, to a different way to use him. So it's, it's going to come down to like a pick your poison opportunity here. Now, the reason why I caveat all this with the, pre, with, with the regular season stuff is in the postseason and then in the playoffs, they're going to have to relearn how to play because the game slows down. And the style of play is different and the intensity is different. You're not going to have a billion fast break points typically in a, in a playoff game. So that takes away a large element of what the Thunder like to do. So they're going to have to readjust in the playoffs, but that's a long ways away. That's at least months away for this Thunder team. So for now they have an incredible setup of, of like a pick your poison type of offense, 18 points, three rebounds, three assists, a block, for chat. He was perfect inside of the arc. He missed one three in nearly 26 minutes. I think that SGA is not going to get the credit for this game. He only had 10 points, shot zero free throws, by the way, went four for 12, two for five. Like, lost in the excitement, I think, will be SGA's game. He had a great block in the low post. He had three steals, playing really good defense, but specifically his playmaking. That playmaking leap that we talked about in FIBA is real. The downhill pass where he just wraps it around his defender to J-Dub for an and one, one of the last plays that Shane made of the game before he got kind of rested. And then the whole, you know, the whole core four got rested. That was sensational. The, the play. And again, it comes down to just like, how do you focus on the center team? So SGA is like in the slot and he has his back to Dame and they're kind of like the isolated over there. It's like the only Players on the the left wing, and it feels like the rest of the Bucks are kind of like ball watching. Like, okay, we're gonna need to, you know, we need to collapse on the paint and, and 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 trap in on on Shea if he gets by Dame. Like, what are we gonna do here? And while they're kind of ball watching that action going on, Shea with his back to Dame and his back to to the basket looks over and he zips this ball across the court to J Dub, uh, who is able to just nail a three pointer and have a wide open shot where. There's literally nothing else happening. It's a rare time where everyone's stagnant. Like the Thunder uh, are not necessarily like cutting and doing a lot of stuff off ball. They're kind of letting Shea work in isolation on Dame over here. But Shea's not really doing anything. He's just kind of dribbling with his back to the basket. And you fell asleep. And the Thunder have guys who can make you pay who, for falling asleep both directions. Credit to J Dub, he made the shot. Credit to Shea, who was being aware and saw that J Dub is the one who, whose defender was. Uh, the most out of place found him in a hurry and zipped that ball over there so fast you can't react to it. Jada knew to get the shot off fast and you can't react to it, and boom, he was able to do that. Uh, he, and of course, you know what Shay can do as a driving kick throughout. He had a nice spray out to Usman Jang as well. I, I, I think with Shea, the biggest thing this year is going to be don't get caught up in points per game. Now, I, I don't know one way or the other. Is it going to go up? It's going to go down? It's going to stay the same? It could very well go down. Now, this could be a much more balanced scoring attack which I think is better for the Thunder in the long-term and in the greater sense of like long-term as in season long, seasons long-term, but also in the long-term as in like playoff long-term of like this construct of 23-24 of if he's not having to go out there and just lay it all out there and score 30, 35, 40 points at night to get you a win, that saves some miles in the car a little bit. Uh, so uh, it can help for for this sake. And as an improved playmaker, You're no longer kind of scoring those points necessarily, which could impact your points per game too. So my thing is, just as the Thunder are not going to judge this team on wins and losses, don't judge Shea on his basketball reference page points column, points per game column. Because it could very well go down, and you could have an even better year than last year with it going down. That's not going to be the indicator that it typically is uh, this year. And I'm not saying it's for sure going to go down. Just like keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on that storyline for Shea. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about j talk about the rest of this Thunder team. But first, I want to say right now, I've got good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel's great, and I love FanDuel, and this is the perfect time to try FanDuel, because right now, FanDuel, you have football in action, hockey's in action, the baseball playoffs are in action, you have basketball ramping up. And so if basketball is the only sport that you really care about in all of that mix, I understand I'm with you. So you can bet on basketball right now from the preseason. You can bet on regular season action already. So you can make a bet on a game a week from now where the Thunder are underdogs in Chicago. So if you believe the Thunder are going to win that game, go hammer that right now at fanduelcom slash locked You can also bet on award winners like Chet Holmgren, who's second in Rookie of the Year odds at FanDuel. If you believe he's going to win Rookie of the Year because he has a high impact on winning, go go try to win some money at fanduelcom slash lockdown. Whenever you go there right now, new customers, Get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed by placing a $5 bet. So if you win or lose, it does not matter. By placing that $5 bet for new customers, you get $200 guaranteed. That's fanduelcom slash locked on. slash locked on. Make sure you go there today. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. So J-Dub looked awesome. He has so much more strength, but he kept that same speed. He shot two for four from three, six of 10 shooting from the floor, six rebounds, three assists, two blocks, and very sturdy defensively. I think Usman Jang had the best three-point game of all time, like, I cannot believe that he only had three points in this game, looking back at the box score. And Mark discussed it in, in the post-game press conference. And, and I think Usman Jang gets lost in the shuffle because you see what Chet's doing right out of the gate. You saw what Jadub did right out of the gate. You saw the SGA leap. You saw um, Josh Giddy and, and what he's able to do as a rookie and beyond uh, coming into this year. And Usman Jang did not have that, that rip-roaring success from the word go. He dealt with injuries. He dealt with adjustment to the NBA. He did not have success when he did play. He had a few flashes against Atlanta and against Golden State, but ultimately he wasn't even overly impressive for the beginning of his G league career. So like Usman Jang did not get that, that, that huge boost of, of fandom. Right. And then didn't, didn't come out of the gate hot either and so he kind of gets lost in, in this whole discussion. Like Casey Wallace has, has uh, been really good. Like, he gets lost even in this discussion. But the most important thing that I think that Mark pointed out was that he is still getting better. Now, it's not this humongous leap where, like, J-Dub goes from pick 12 to the second overall, uh, I mean, something sorry, to the uh, runner-up for rookie of the year and, and Chet, goes from that playing to the moment he steps on the floor with Victor Omanyama, you understand how good he's going to be in like a blue chip prospect. He does not have those kind of progressions, but he is course correcting. He is getting better. And Mark told, told an anecdote of like against the Hornets, the Thunder did not think he was aggressive enough. Monday at practice, the Thunder did not think he was aggressive enough. Tonight, they thought he was extremely aggressive and like did a much better job of that. And so he fixed the issue in a matter of a couple of days. And so that ability to improve quickly uh, I think is good for Usman Jang. Uh, three points, three-year bounce, four assists. Overall, better physicality, better activity in this game. Uh, Isaiah Joe is one of the best weapons in the NBA. Now, should he win sixth man of the year? I, I don't think that he'll win sixth man of the year, personally. We can debate if he should or shouldn't. I'm for debating for Isaiah Joe because I am calling him one of the best weapons in the NBA, but just a lot more goes into sixth man of the year voting than like who was technically the best bench scorer. Uh, but he's such a weapon as a three-point shooter and a floor spacer. He can do secondary things offensively. He scores 11 points, two rebounds. But defensively, this is a guy that can legitimately play. Again, not going to be a, a point of attack defender on LeBron or on Jason Tatum or on like any of these top-tier scores. He's not going to be a point of attack guy on those on those kind of scores. But he can play well above average defense, and he can stick on the floor. I have no doubt in my mind that that Joe's a playoff player. I have no doubt in my mind that Isaiah Joe, come playoff time, will stick on the floor and will not be exposed, will not be play off the floor, will not be rendered useless. And you can think in your head of how many pure sharpshooters, quote unquote, that get play off the floor in, in those playoff games because... They just can't play defense. They're a turnstile. They get hunted. The, the game slows down, and you go to a more pick-and-roll-heavy style, no matter what team you are, and you try to find the mismatches for your best score. I don't think that Isaiah Joe is a player who can get picked on to that extent where he's just playing off the floor and is a, a a total liability for you. And with his shooting prowess, that is a huge compliment to what Isaiah Joe can be. I thought that the SR minutes were, were, were better than this game. Uh, he, he, he was interesting with chat on the floor and it made me interested to see, uh, Poku in that double big lineup. Uh, this was a big controversy on random name, random avatar, Twitter, interested in seeing Poku do the same role as a double big. I'm not comparing these two players at all, uh, for, for the sake of argument, but, uh, what, what Sar did was really good. He upped in the rebounding battle. Uh, they actually played off each other pretty well offensively. Uh, added some rim pressure for this team defensively. I liked him in the dunker spot, but ultimately this Thunder team trusts Olivier Saar. They just do. They trust him. Uh, they believe in him. And there are worst options as a as a patchwork big man as you deal with some injuries right now. So uh, Olivier Saar did his job tonight. That's like the biggest compliment I can give him. Kante Johnson, however, He's got the juice. Like he's he's got some good stuff. I truly believe that that three-point shooting is real. He shot 45% on catch and shoot looks at K-State. He shot 41% from 3 at K-State and in in training camp and practice and shoot around, he's been putting on clinics from beyond the arc. So, uh, when he shoots well from 3 in these preseason games, I really believe it is going to carry over for the, just the rest of time really for his career. On top of that, he's a great athlete. He has this unreal hang time in the air that allows him to adjust his shot and make sure he finishes at the rim, but also like hang in the air and like he can kick out because of that as well. Great athlete, seven points, two assists, uh, seven points, two steals, a block, one rebound. Jack White was Jack White and like was a lob threat. They, they tried to lob it to him like 50 billion times to win this game, which was a little unnatural, but nonetheless, he finished a couple of them. MVP of the game, either Chet or Josh for me. But we'll, we'll we'll hammer down MVPs in the regular season. What's up next? So Thursday we're tackling the J will uh, absence and how that affects the rotation. Friday we're going to recap the Pistons show, uh, the Pistons game on the show. Friday next week we're going to have a season preview mailbag, discuss the opening night roster, how good will the Thunder team be? Our final predictions for the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, NBA, and Thunder all coming up to, uh, next week and. We're going to have our first regular season game recaps next week. So it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun next week. So make sure you stay tuned on Lockdown Thunder anywhere you get your podcast from and on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. And until tomorrow, be good, and be good to one. Another.